This week on Sportsmanlike Conduct, we'll be breaking down the Lions game. Yes, the Lions. They are moving up in the power rankings and soaring that way. All three of us picked them to win. They got the win over the Vikings. What does it mean for them moving forward? We'll then go in. It is hate week. Michigan and Michigan State, no matter what side you're on, you don't like the other team. It's a big game for both uh, universities. We'll see who able, is able to get the win there. And then we'll go into MLB playoffs. The first uh, set of playoffs have been set officially. We'll break down all those games and give our predictions for the first couple series. And then the Ball family has a little bit of drama going on. We'll break that down to end our podcast and talk about what's going on with LaMelo and Lonzo. And while the Dylan Ball isn't on the show anymore, we'll be sure to give you our take. All that is coming up on Unsportsmanlike. And hello and welcome in to Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andy McDonald. I will be your host, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts as always. To my left is Elena Hess. Elena, how are we doing today? Doing great. Loving life. Great, great. And Evan, how are we doing today? I guess big ballers don't go to high school anymore, but <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, really excited for that segment. Yeah, for sure. If we could, if we could just drop out of college and get, you know, <laughs> coached by our, our, or you know, taught by our parents, I think that that would be good. If I could just get a degree in whatever I want, but you know, he, he's he's only doing it at the high school level, so I guess it's okay for now. But we'll give our opinions on that later. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. There's a lot that went on this past weekend. There's a lot coming up in the future weeks. But we'll start with Detroit. Um, the Lions were able to get the job done on Sunday, which I think was very big for them. After coming off of a loss, you could pretty much put an asterisk to with the Falcons. They were able to get the job done against the Minnesota Vikings, win the game 14-7 to on the road. That's big for the Lions. They haven't In the past, sometimes when they get those kind of calls against them, it seems like they come out and don't play as good the next week. They didn't let it affect them at all. They came out and played a good enough game to get the job done. Their defense was solid, only allowing seven points the entire game to Minnesota. Stafford played a pretty good game. Um, that didn't throw any touchdowns, but 19 for 31 for 209 yards. Pretty solid. I think the player that everyone's really talking about right now is Amir Abdullah. Able to get 94 yards on 20 carries and a touchdown. The running game finally kind of looks like it's getting there for the Lions, which is something that we've talked about since the beginning of the season that they haven't had in years. So I think that's pretty big. Um, they, it was kind of a weird game. Um, started out with just a field goal for Prater, and then Delvin Cook was able to rush touchdown in. Obviously, he got hurt later and will be missing some time now. That's uh, never never good to see at all, period. But that, And that will definitely hurt the Vikings moving forward. Um, but then the Lions were able to get a field goal um, in the third quarter. So they were, they were down by um, just a point. And then later on, their their following drive, they're able to get a uh, touchdown out of Amir Abdullah. That was kind of touchdown to secure the game. They got the two point conversion, won it by a touchdown. So, really, not a lot of offensive stats. The game it was more or less the defense that was you know able to keep the Lions in the game the entire time. Not really a lot of total yards on either side. Pretty even. Two hundred eighty four for Minnesota, two hundred fifty one for Detroit. Um, really, the difference in the game that you would point to the most is the turnovers. Three to- turnovers for Minnesota. I mean, you, you can talk about as much as you want in football. It's definitely one of the most important stats. Turnovers do lose you games. So. Overall, the Lions are 3-1 and one regardless, and I think the uh, the one thing that I really need to bring up is they have moved up to number two in the power rankings for the NFL officially. ESPN's still got them slayed down at nine, but what, what does ESPN matter? The NFL is the NFL. I think I think putting them there says something um, about how good they really are, and people are really starting to believe that they are good. What do you guys think about that? Evan, I'll start with you. I think this team is, is really that good. I think they're worthy uh, of a top five spot. Number two, still a little bit early in my opinion. But I think definitely top five, though, yeah, they've earned it. Uh, the Lions came out against the Vikings, and the defense was so solid. Anthony Zettel, three tackles, two solo tackles, two sacks, two tackles for a loss, four quarterback hits. He led the defense. He had, he had an outstanding game. That's and, and as far as the offense goes, you know, Matthew Stafford didn't throw for a touchdown, but he also didn't throw for an interception. He took care of the ball, and that's one of the things that the Lions have done 
really well is just take care of the football in 100%. general. I mean, yeah, the first game against Arizona, they, he, he threw that pick. But, I mean, as far as just all in all goes, they just take care of the football, and that's really what wins them games. For sure. And Elena, what do you think about this? I agree with you guys. Their defense was outstanding, but I think Stafford might be a little sore. He got hit like eight times, I think it was. <laughs> but, I mean, they were holding on to the ball. They forced the three uh, Viking fumbles. So, uh, overall, good game. And I do think that I, I do think they're in the top five, maybe not maybe not top two right now, but um, I, th- I definitely think they're going to be a contender. Yeah, so. for sure. And, and the, that's what the NFL has to say, you know, the first thing, the first sentence they said kind of says it because we all live in Michigan. We all know what it's like um, being Lions fans. They've started like this before, <laughs> three and one. This is kind of how they are. First thing they say is these aren't the same old Lions. Um, they said they're three and one with an asterisk next to that first loss. Pretty much broke down how the way they've been able to win all these games and like ever since you know they call her Martha Firestone Ford <laughs> is what they called her in the description in 2015 when she kind of started getting her stuff together and Bob Quinn's came in. This team as a total is 18 and 10. So. Winning record with a, fran- with a franchise that hasn't been able to have a winning record for that long a time, I think really says something about it just in general. Um, winning a game like this on the road when you're when you're coming off of a really, really, really tough loss that you probably believed you should have won, that's just something that you, you haven't seen as much. It's a big division win as well um, to be able to get that win on the road. Even when the Vikings come to Detroit, now they kind of have the advantage because they're playing them at home. So essentially, overall, it's a really big win, and I think this team is a for sure real contender. Um, wh- I want to know what you guys think is the best strength of this team right now. What What is really making this team what they are? Because, I mean, coming into the season, I don't think anybody really thought they were going to be that good. I think that the team that maybe can make the playoffs, but all of a sudden they're looking like a team that can, you know, could tend to win a playoff game and who knows, maybe even more. Um, what do you guys think is really their strong suit right now? Elena, I'll start with you. I mean, sometimes I think – I mean, I always think Matthew Stafford is, like, definitely, like, the leader. Like, he's going to dictate the game. But the other night it didn't really look like it because the defense, but – so I'm like really impressed with the defense right now. Uh, they held uh, the Vikings to only seven points, so that's outstanding to me. Yeah. I'm gonna say the defense. I would agree. Yeah, I mean, looking at that defense, they're tied with the Baltimore Ravens for the league lead in takeaways with 11, and that just says something right there. This is a Lions mm-hmm. team that has struggled to get takeaways, and and they they fumble the ball a lot and and turn the ball over just in general a lot in the past. This season, it's a lot different, but you know, I think one of the the biggest things for the Lions this year is just just consistency. They're very consistent. And, you know, looking forward to this game against Carolina, Carolina's a team that, that really hasn't been that consistent as far as, you know, Cam Newton through the air and in the run game. There hasn't been a lot of consistency there, and that's just where I think the Lions have really strived this year. I, I really could see that being a, a huge factor is just consistency in general. I, I think I think right now the rushing game, just being able to finally come around, is really just opening up the offense for us, the, Lion, or the Lions team. Um, so far through the four games, they've had 388 total yards on the ground. Well, that may not seem like the best at almost getting 100 yards per game on average. That That's not bad. I mean, that, that's good for a team that really hasn't been able to run the ball like that in the past. Um, they've been able to get the other offense off the field, the opposing offense, defense have been able to get themselves, um, get their offense plenty of chance to be able to score points, and keeping their offense fresh is really key. The Lions right now just looking like a team that is complete, and I think could compete for the division by the end of the season without question. I, I think right now the strength is definitely the way that their running game has been able to help out their offense. Well, you say one thing that really, really interests me there. Talking about the run game and how you know the run game's been so good. You look at Amir Abdullah and you, you see just over uh, 64 yards per game, and you kind of scratch your head thinking that's that's not like that good, but that's yeah. pretty good. But then you remember it's the Lions, and it's the Lions <laughs> that that have not been able to run the ball in forever. Exactly. So I mean, yeah, even just every little bit that you can get out of this run game is so big for for Detroit, and I think it's only going up as far as the run game goes. 
And I'll be honest with you, coming into the season, I really didn't think he was going to be that much of a difference. I thought with the way that Theo Riddick played last year, it was still going to be kind of more of that. We're basically going to use throwing to our running back out of the backfield as our running game. That's kind of how I saw it, but, I mean, he's proven me wrong. He's really been able to play well. Um, getting even, He's at 3.9 yards per carry right now, even being able to get near four. Well, well, it's, well yeah, but, I mean, you look at that, right? And you say, yeah. okay, yeah, this run game this run game's great. But look what it does for Stafford. 88 for 138, 887 yards, seven touchdowns, one interception. And I, I'm telling you, that's, that, that's the game changer right there. That is the game changer. The run game is helping Matthew Stafford in unimaginable ways. It's it's such a blessing to have if you're a Detroit fan. It's You, you can call the Lions arguably a top five team, but you can definitely call Matt, Sta- Matt Stafford like arguably a top five quarterback. Oh, I think, for sure. In this for sure. league. So when you think about that and you're able to give him a running game with his skill set and ability to be able to pass, I, I don't think it's out of the question that, you know, it, it really makes him that much better of a quarterback, you know, especially not having some huge target to throw to this year. It, and it also seems like the Lions receivers are just playing a lot better. I think in general, you know, the Golden Tate, I mean, he's came out this year and played better than he has since the season when they made the playoffs and lost to the Cowboys. I mean, I think it was back in 2014. So it, it kind of looks like he's been rejuvenated, and Marvin Jones is just doing what he's doing. He, Stafford's just finding a way to get this whole offense involved, and I think a lot of that has to do with the running game. Um, I, I thought I've always thought Stafford was great. Like, I never always, like, the years before, I thought he was still, like, a top top seven, mm-hmm. five, it, maybe five. But I never thought it was his fault, and I think it's finally fallen into place for him. I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy that battled back from injuries to start his career, and, you know, I, I didn't really think that <laughs> he'd be able to come back and just keep avoiding him like this. He's a guy that gets hit a lot in the backfield, or at least he has in the past. He somehow stays healthy. The guy just stays built, and he just keeps doing his thing. And, and no matter what, he, he really wants to win for Detroit. I think I think you can see it in his play in the field. He wants to win with this team more than anything else. Well, I mean, you look at T.J. Jones coming out of Notre Dame. He's in his third season uh, here with the Lions, 2015, he played in 10 games. 2016, played in three games. He's played in four games this season, uh, obviously, and he's got 128 yards uh, receiving. Now, let's look back to 2015. He played 10 games. He's got 132 yards receiving. So he's almost to where he was wow. in, in 2015. I think that just tells you a little bit about maybe the chemistry that these mm-hmm. receivers have now with, with Stafford. I mean, you're, you're getting to that point where like he, he's your guy, and he's stepping up, and he's playing well. And when your quarterback plays well— you're motivated to play well. You're motivated to keep your head in the game the whole time, and I think that's what these these receivers are doing. And some of these guys that maybe didn't get as many touches or, you know, weren't really as active uh, the last couple of years, they've really started to shine, and, and that's impressive. I I think what you just said is perfect, actually, with the, with the whole chemistry thing. Because last year, I think that was something that was talked about a lot. Was is Stafford a better quarterback now that he doesn't have Calvin Johnson to just throw to? Is he a guy that is using all of his assets now instead of just trying to throw the deep ball to one guy? And I, I think this year, when you add a running game to that effect, and now he's able to throw it to all these guys too, not all the same guys that he had last year. Obviously, they don't have Bolden anymore. But still, nevertheless, he's using all of his receivers and he's doing it effectively. I think it truly does, in a way, make him a better quarterback when he when he doesn't have just one guy he has to focus on the whole time to throw to. I agree to. with that. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, you look at I mean, you look at the stats right here, and you got mm-hmm. four guys with over 100 yards receiving you got Theo Riddick with 90 Eric Ebron with 87 with 87 so and he drops a lot of balls that says a lot <laughs> and he says and he drops a lot of balls and, and that just shows you he's using all of his receivers and I think I mean you you stick Kelvin Johnson on this team and maybe you got a you got a guy with 300 yards receiving and then you got a big drop off maybe one guy with 100 and then yeah, exactly. everyone else is just kind of down there somewhere and, and when you utilize all your weapons you can throw all over the field you're not just You're throwing to one side or one guy you can throw anywhere Hundred percent. I mean, they did it against a defense like the Vikings, which is still a really good defense. I mean, it, they were able to at least control the game and get enough out of what they needed to get the win. 
moving forward, it's not going to get much easier. Um, they take on the Carolina Panthers next week, and that's the team that just beat the New England Patriots. So, nevertheless, it's not an easy game. Um, it's going to be at home, though, uh, so it'll, it'll be a big one. Uh, Cam Newton's obviously a guy that can be effective back there. They did lose uh, a, lot, a lot of their players. I think Benjamin's still banged up. Obviously, Olsen's, like, done for the season pretty much. Um, and it's Devin Funchness, the guy to Michigan. He's been kind of the guy that has, like, been able to turn it up for them and be a top target. Um, and their defense has been able to be good at times this year, too. I, I have them in fantasy, so they were good for me the first couple of weeks, weren't third. But um, nevertheless, Panthers are a good team. What do you guys see coming this week? Well, the one thing that I do like about this matchup is that the Panthers, they are allowing their opponents to complete 71% of their passes. And that's a good thing for Stafford and his offense. Um, but one thing you got to watch out for is Julius Peppers, 37-year-old. Um, you know, yeah, he's old, but he's playing like he's young. Uh, mm-hmm. He's leading the team in sacks. He's... He's hitting the quarterback over and over and over again, and that's something you got to look for with Stafford. But I, I think the the Lions are going to throw the ball. They're going to you know do their best to to make things happen through the air, um, maybe a little bit more than than on the ground. If they can make some noise early, though, I think they'll be all right for sure. I agree with that. I think that uh, the Lions are going to keep on a roll and just I think they're going to stun some people again. Yeah, for sure. I I don't. It doesn't wouldn't surprise me if they got the money. They're coming back home. I think it's definitely gonna be tough for them. Well, do you think they're an underdog? Uh, in your opinion, in your opinion, no, I'm not you, talking Vegas. I'm not talking. They, they can't be at this point. I don't you think, think, I, so? I don't think okay. that you can put them as. I, I would say at home against the Panthers, a team I, I believe the Panthers are two and two. I don't have the record next to it right now, but I believe they are three and one. Three and one. They are yep. three and one. Okay, so two three and one teams going at it. Either way, the Lions at home with the way they've been able to play this year and really should be four and zero with a, a tough loss to the Falcons. I think you got to make them the favorite, not by a lot. I think they're only like a you know a touchdown or less favorite, but I I definitely think so. You guys. Yep. Disagree with that? Or? No, no. I mean, I agree. If I had to give a prediction, I'd. I mean, I'd say it pretty much like you said. Yeah. Uh, Twenty thirteen in favor of the Lions. That'd be my prediction. And like you said, that that's a score right there. So, yeah. No, I, I think the Lions are are you know definitely a team that's coming in. Um, you know, with with the predictions kind of in their favor, but we don't really know until until they step on the field because mm-hmm. there's always this little little <laughs> piece of me that's kind of kind of afraid that we're gonna get the same old Lions, but. You know, I, I as a fan of the Lions, I I just pray that doesn't come back and, and doesn't happen again. For sure, Atlanta score prediction. Um, twenty one ten Lions. Twenty one ten. Why is that? I just got faith. I got faith in these Lions now. For sure, and I really can't blame you for it right now. Um, I think the end of this game, I'm gonna go seventeen ten. I think it's a game that's ruled by defense a little bit more again. I think Stafford takes care or does what he needs to do though, takes care of the ball. Uh, eventually kind of gets a touchdown later in the game that kind of puts it away and the Lions defense puts it away. Something that I didn't think I'd be saying this year because I didn't think the Lions <laughs> defense going to be this good this year. Even without Drod Davis right now, <laughs> they've still been able to, I mean, have an effect. And that really surprised me. Even though Case Keenum was still the quarterback last game um, for the Vikings, it, it doesn't matter. They, they were able to hold the team to seven points without a player that was playing huge for them. Yeah, you know, and you, you really literally took the words out of my mouth talking, <laughs> talking, about, how, talking about how the defense has been, but... I mean, Stafford, I wonder how he feels right now. I mean, I'd, I'd really like to talk to the guy and just ask him how he feels <laughs> to have a good defense. Yeah, seriously. Like he's really got a good defense behind him, and I think that's well, another one of the reasons why him. he's only got he's – got, I mean, he's got seven touchdowns and only one interception. I think that's part of the reason. He's not he's not stressed out about it. He's not freaking out. He doesn't feel like he has to always make the play all the time. I mean, yeah, he would like to, but it's just not all this crazy pressure on him to, to do everything because he knows he's got a defense to back him. 2014, where were the Lions ranked in defense? Number two in the league by the end of the season. What did they do that season? They went 11-5. and five. So I think that that kind of says it all to you right there. If the Lions have a defense that can back him up, I, th- I think that definitely does take a lot of pressure off his shoulder. I think it takes a lot of pressure off any quarterback shoulders in the league. Nevertheless, we all think the Lions are going to win this week. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Now we're going to move into college football and the game of the week here in the state for the most part. 
Michigan and Michigan State, everybody loves this week. You can't really get enough of it if you're a football fan. Michigan's coming off a bye week, which I think could be big for them with Wilton Spate. <laughs> um, now officially Harbaugh said that he is hurt and will be out for multiple weeks. Um, John O'Corn is the guy. He will get the start. I think him having a bye week off is definitely big for that team. Michigan State is coming off of a win that really impresses me. Um, they beat Iowa 17-10. Uh, to 10. And even though it was a game that Michigan State didn't score any points in the second half, which does kind of make it questionable, like, okay, if they don't do that against a team like Michigan, what's going to happen to them? And Iowa definitely is a different team when they play on the road. They're not the same team when they are 8 o'clock at night at Kicks. They, um, that, that's a completely different animal. Nevertheless, they were able to get the win. Uh, they got, the like I said, the early 17-7 um, to 7 lead. Iowa was able to get a field goal in the fourth quarter, but they weren't able to do anything um, towards the end of the game. They, I remember they had a last chance in that drive, but they weren't able to even get a first down. Um, for the most part, uh, Michigan State did control time possession. They had 33 minutes compared to Iowa's 26. They were able to control the ball, which would be the most important part kind of in that uh, low-scoring game. Um, overall, for their team, they looked pretty good. It was a good team win. What can you guys say about Michigan, Michigan, or Michigan State's win over Iowa? Uh, I think it, it was definitely impressive for me. Uh, I, I know for you guys, too, because we all picked him to lose. But mm-hmm. um, the big thing in this game was they didn't have a turnover for the first time this season, and they recovered a pair of fumbles in the second half. So What have we talked about? Yeah. It's exactly. Michigan State eliminating turnovers. What did they do against Notre Dame? They turned the ball over. What didn't they do against Iowa? <laughs> didn't turn it over. Yep. Didn't give them points. I think that's a big reason that they don't get points there. Yep. So, I mean, their defense stepped up. So I think if they can keep that up, they'll be able to – play with the rest of the Big Ten teams, but I don't see them beating Michigan. It's definitely going to be a tough one uh, at night. Uh, just a quick fact, Michigan is 3-0 under the lights at home, so it's a it's something they've been able to feed off of in the past. Um, but never against a rival like this. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. I think Brian Lewerke is very impressive, 18-28, 212 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, that, that's that's phenomenal for that guy. He's he, He's been mobile, too. He's been able to run, uh, kind of move in the backfield, 12 carries for 42 yards. So he's a guy that can do, like, multiple different things. Um, but at the end of the day, he looks like a quarterback that can operate this offense. What do you think about them so far? Well, looking at this win over Iowa that, that Michigan State had, I was impressed, but I also wasn't impressed. Um, and the, really the way to put that is, yeah, I was impressed with the defense. Defense looked great. Woohoo! Good. Great. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. But let's look, at this off- let's look at the offense here. All right. They had a fast start. They went up 14 nothing in the first quarter. How many points did they score after the first quarter? Three. They scored three <laughs> points after the first quarter, so let's just say they, they they you know they stroll into the big house, and you know Michigan locks them up through their first two drives. What is that? What is that going to do to them? They're going to score three points the rest of the game. That's not going to get them a win. Mm-hmm. I think they I think kind of like I was talking about you know with, with Matthew Stafford having more consistency. I just think this team isn't like consistent on offense. Their defense is great. Um, you know, good for them. I'm proud of the defense. It's really good to see them be able to, to do something defensively, whereas last year they weren't able to do anything defensively, and it, and it was really tough to watch, um, you know, just, just from a fan of college football in general. But their offense really really didn't impress me, uh, not, not in that win over Iowa, and I, and I think they're going to have to be, their offense is going to have to be way better than they were against Iowa when they play Michigan if they want to get a win. I, I don't see them getting a win without the offense really stepping it up, and I think a lot of that starts with the run game. I mean, you look at L.J. Scott, uh, on the season, 58 yard, 58 carries, 214 yards, and a touchdown. That's not enough. Mm-hmm. That's not enough for them. No, I think that L.J. Scott is a guy who's going to have to definitely step it up and play better for them. Um, one guy that did impress me um, for Michigan State offensively that I think will definitely challenge Michigan's young uh, secondary is Felton Davis the third. He had uh, nine receptions for 114 yards, two touchdowns. Guy played phenomenal last week, and, and that, that's something that is good to see if you're a Michigan State fan because – 
having anybody that can catch the ball last year didn't look like they really had that or more or less a quarterback that couldn't get it to them. Nevertheless, there's chemistry there now. So that looks very good for Michigan State. But I would agree with that, Evan. That they got to score more points against Michigan. And one thing that I uh, definitely i am putting a key on in this game this upcoming week is that Michigan needs to start fast. They can't start slow. Um, if, they, if they come out and, you know, turn the ball over or anything like that or just, you know, go three and out and punt the ball, it's going to allow Michigan State to kind of stay in the game. And, and you don't you don't want Michigan's defense to get tired towards the end of the game because that, that's how this game will stay close the entire way um, if you're a Michigan fan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's <laughs> well, turnovers. Well, let's talk about John O'Corn here for a second because he's obviously making his first start for Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pretty much the biggest start. They, I mean, outside of the game against Ohio State, pretty much the biggest start um, that, that you could make for this team mm-hmm. this season, I, I would say. I mean, yeah, going going on the road to play Penn State's pretty big, but I think as far as just like a like a fan and an atmosphere standpoint goes, I think this is probably going to be you know the biggest game outside of the game against Ohio State that someone would have to walk in and make their first start for. Uh, right. And I mean, I guess the good news is, is outside of Tariq Black and Wilton Spate, Michigan doesn't really have any significant injuries to their starters. So that's mm-hmm. a good thing, but... I mean, O'Corn, when he was back with Houston, he was streaky, and that's why he lost his job, and then he came over to Michigan, and if you don't know how that whole story unfolds, go look it up, and it, it's a, <laughs> it's a story yeah. um, for another time. But, but no, I mean, he, he's known as an emotional player. He kept his cool against Purdue. I, I think if he's the guy, he's got to show consistency. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's been emotional. He's just an emotional quarterback. He gets fired up. You know, he, he struggles, and he kind of just gets down on himself. He's not one of the guys that just kind of lets things just go past him. Um, but... We haven't really got to see a ton of that, though. I'm, I'm just talking about how he was with Houston. I mean, that was that was a few years ago. Now he's with Michigan. He's grown up a little bit. Um, I just got to ask both of you guys. I mean, how, how do you guys see him him doing here in this game? Um, I think he's going to go in. I mean, he has all the confidence right now uh, from last game, but I think I think he's going to go out there and show people what he's made of. And I, I think he's I think it'll be good against Michigan State. Now, do you think he struggles a lot though, or oh, struggles yeah. oh, even yeah. even think, a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, you know that, that's that's what do I. Think, I mean, yeah, he will. I think. I, I, I wouldn't no surprise me for him to have shocks because I think when you look at John O'Corn so far in Michigan, yeah, he had a chance to play against Indiana. That was a bad weather game. Really wasn't a, a fair situation to throw a guy like that into that didn't play all season. It's late in the season. I mean, he did, He really wasn't the reason Michigan won that game last year. Their defense won the game. He got the chance to play against Florida, and yeah, he made one good pass, but that's one good pass. That That's not enough. Um, he got sacked a couple times, but he had no pocket presence. Then he comes out against Purdue, and he passes every test that he has to on the road, being able to secure the game late. Coming out and leading a touchdown drive in the first, you know, drive to gain confidence. Even when he came or got down, he was able to come back and finish the game. So, coming into a game like this, I, John, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, you you play at night against a team that you know obviously isn't easy to play against in any situation. Mark D'Antonio will prepare this team to play tough against Michigan, no matter what anybody says. This is the game that he circles on his calendar every single year. So, it's it's going to be hard for John O'Corn to be able to, I think, to be able to be the top guy. Um, and really lead the team. I think Michigan's defense still needs to do their fair share like they've been able to do all season and hold Michigan in this game at first because as much as I think it is a key of the game for Michigan to not be able to start slow, I think that they will. I, I don't think that John O'Connor is going to come out just firing up guns ablazing like he did against uh, Purdue. I think it's going to be a little bit different this time with a lot more pressure um, at home. But at the end of the day, I think he is. The, I think he's going to be the guy for the rest of the season, and I think he does end up playing well in this game as the game goes on in the second half. Well, speaking of that defense, one thing that, that really is going to be a big factor, um, at least in my opinion, is you know defending both the ground game and the pass game. Because Brian Lewerke, he, he's a guy who can run. You know, mm-hmm. He can run and he can throw the ball pretty well. But I think for Michigan State, if, you're going, if you want to go on the road and beat Michigan, 
you got to beat them on the ground and through the air. You can't pick one or the other. They really got to beat them both both ways because one way is just not going to do it. Um, but but Brian Lewerke, eight touchdowns, two interceptions, and then two touchdowns on the ground. He's he's a guy that, that you're really going to have to watch for. Hundred percent. The the guy can the guy can make a difference. And, and Michigan's, I think Michigan's defense is good enough sideline to sideline and is quick enough that it's not really going to um, affect them that much with Lewerke's legs. I think they're going to be able to control him. I think I think Michigan, you know, Doctor Blitz, uh, Don Brown. I think he's going to bring plenty of a, a blitz um, on them and, and kind of keep him under pressure all game. I think really the difference is if L.J. Scott can step up and play in this game. Look at last year when the first chance, the first drive, Michigan State went right down Michigan's throat. Um, and got that touchdown to score the game or the start the game. Um, that was L.J. Scott, all in the legs of L.J. Scott, and he was the one that scored the touchdown to cap off the drive. So I think um, him stepping up in this game is essential for Michigan State to be able to get a win, and he hasn't been able to do it at all the times this year. I really see. I just really see Michigan State struggling to score against this defense, this Michigan defense. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. I, nevertheless, it's, it hasn't been a defense that anybody was able really to score on this yeah. year. I mean, the only reason teams have gotten points on them. Is either off a big play or because Michigan's offense can't get out of their own way. So that that's been the reason. But the way that Michigan's offense looked against uh, Michigan State, it, it or not Michigan State against uh, Purdue was definitely different. So in the way that they're able to capitalize in the red zone, going three for three after being one for ten before that, that's going to be key for Michigan State to either stop or Michigan to be able to capitalize on it. It's something that has to happen. Well, well, let's go back in and real quick just look at that game from last year between Michigan and Michigan State. We saw Wilton Spate. He threw for 244 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. Michigan's leading rusher was Eddie McDoom with two carries for 53 yards. And Michigan still won that game. That just says something. I mean, I, th- I think that really does say something about... How bad Michigan State was? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I mean, I yeah. just think... It just, it's a we- it, those are weird numbers. Those it, are really weird numbers to win a football game. I, I'm not sure in the exact set. Uh, Colin Logson, who works for us, too. I, I was talking to him about this yesterday. Um, he said something about how the last nine out of ten times these two teams have met, I think it was nine out of ten or eight out of ten, whoever's won the rushing battle has been able to win the game. So, I mean, it wasn't like that last year, I guess. I, I think Michigan State had more on the ground, but I think it's just because they were a different team last year. Most time this game is won in between the tackles, and I think Chris Evans coming out and playing good again this week will be very key for Michigan. The three running backs that they have um, back there with Evans, Higdon, and Ty Isaac, I, those three have to come out and play big. I think they have to open up the offense for O'Corn. Otherwise, it's going to be tough for him to have success because you can't just put it all on his right arm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think looking back at last year, like I said, I mean, Wilton Spate didn't even throw for a touchdown to Michigan one. You yeah. think O'Corn <laughs> sits back there, maybe he slings a touchdown, maybe yeah, he throws an interception, whatever, but yeah, maybe he throws two touchdowns. Yeah, like, it that, wouldn't that, surprise that, me one bit. <laughs> that, that's a 14-point point difference. Like, yeah. that that makes a big de- That makes a big difference. I think, you know, if he comes out and, and he starts and he plays well, I think Michigan's going to be all right in this one. Michigan uh, is 2-2 two and two against the spread this year. The current spread is at 13.5 points um, from Vegas in favor of Michigan. Do you guys think Michigan beats that spread? What's your final score prediction in this game? What, what happens in at the Big House in Ann Arbor this weekend? I, I always, you know, all year I said, you know, Michigan's going to win by 20, 30, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm going to say screw it again. Uh, Michigan beats Michigan State 28-10. I'm going to go, a little, you know, 18-point win. Let's roll with it. Beating the spread. All right, I'm gonna go twenty four seven. Whoa, seven. Yeah. So you, Whoa. you think you know Michigan, Michigan State's offense just completely can't do anything? This nope. Week. I'm going with Michigan. All right. Whoa. I'm gonna disagree with you guys. <laughs> I think that Michigan doesn't uh, pass that spread. I think it's twenty four to fourteen. Um, they get the win in this game. I think the Michigan's up by a field goal late. And you guys remember last season when they played against Wisconsin? They kind of had that big play to end the game. Mm-hmm. Um, with the with the big pass. I think Michigan kind of wins on a play like that. Not necessarily that severity or that long. I think they score a touchdown 
nearing the end of the fourth quarter kind of puts them ahead by enough points to pull away in this game. Michigan State's going to play them tough. I think that they're going to prove to people this week that they're not a team to mess around with all year. I know they didn't play good against Notre Dame at home in a big game that they needed to, but I think that they're ready for this game the second time around, even though it's on the road. I think that Michigan State hangs around, but I don't think they have enough to be able to beat Michigan. I think Michigan's too much in the end and keeps their season going undefeated. So I think they move on to 5-0. and I think they win 24-10. to um, We'll translate off of football now and go into our next topic here. Uh, we'll talk about baseball. Um, it's it's that time of the year. It's October. It's playoff time. It's time that I love, at least. Um, if, if you don't like baseball and you haven't checked it out, watch. Because what happened last year with the Cubs and the Indians getting there, probably one of the best, best. seasons I have ever watched in baseball in my life. I think it was probably great. Probably the, the best game ever. Right, exactly. Yeah, that game seven, that game absolutely seven phenomenal. And I think it got a lot of people back in the sport. It was great for the sport. I think this year is a lot of teams that are young and up and coming, and I think it's very exciting, and I absolutely cannot wait to see it. Um the, the two wild card games are the ones that I want to focus on first. You got New York playing against the Twins, and you got the Diamondbacks uh, in the NL playing against the Rockies. Diamondbacks and Rockies are two teams that really haven't been in the mix the past few years for a team that, you know, can kind of win um, the, the World Series or even be there. They acquired some late season, uh, you know, people of their team. Obviously, the most familiar that we were with is J.D. Martinez going to uh, the Diamondbacks. Here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who didn't love JD, man? I, I loved going to the ballpark and watching that guy play for real all summer. I went to a few games, and when I went after he left, it just really wasn't the same seeing Alex Presley out in right field. <laughs> but nevertheless, those two teams uh, will match up. And then the Twins and the Yankees, I think all the media wants the Yankees to win that game so Aaron Judge can get a series against Cleveland. But if the Twins were to win it, it also makes for an AL Central matchup in that next series. So a couple things to look at there. What do you guys think the keys are to this? I mean, it's one game. It's kind of tough to predict, but what do you guys see uh, coming out of these wild card games? Evan, I'll start with you. It just amazes me how, I mean, if you would have talked to me about you know, MLB postseason a year ago, two years ago, I would have known everything. I was so into baseball, and then the Tigers started uh, to fall, fall off the train tracks. That's hard. But, but no, I mean, look, looking, <laughs> at, looking at both of these both these games, I mean, I think um, I think Arizona uh, in the NL wild card definitely has a, a Favorable pitching matchup was that Grinky on the mound. I think he's he's a go-to guy all the time. Um, I, I think they do get the win over the Rockies there in that one. But that Twins-Yankees game at Yankee Stadium, that's going to be a toss-up. That's going to be like a big-time toss-up in my opinion. Both mm-hmm. teams are good. Both pitchers uh, are pretty good too. If I had to pick, um, you know, I guess I'll go Twins. I got to give them some love because they're from the Central um, Division in the AL, but that's really a toss-up game. That that's a really tough one to to predict. For sure. I'm gonna yeah. go with the Diamondbacks uh, for that wild card game. I just I don't know. I'm going with my heart there. I think they'll take it. But um, the Twins and the Yankees. I think the Yankees are gonna take it. For sure. Yankee Stadium. I mean, it's gonna be a big game. You said the media is gonna be wants the Yankees to win, and I just think I mean, I, I see Aaron Judge going long. Well, you you said it. You said it best just a second ago. I mean. They're wild card games. They're one game. Like it, it's so hard, hard to, to predict. hard to predict. You, like, can, you can you can look at a whole series and kind of okay, like so and so's getting this player back from injury, and and okay, they got these guys pitching on the mound. Like this is just one game. Baseball's it's, really it's, it's so game hard to anyway. predict. It's I, so hard. I think it's awesome. I think that it's great they added this in a few years ago. And really, when you watch the whole playoffs, yeah, there's a lot of good uh, series in there. But these games are usually the ones that are just like super intense, and you want to watch these. Both teams are just fighting for their lives. They don't. They don't. Know what's going to happen to him next, but they just want to get to that next series. Um, and uh, last year, obviously, we were spoiled with like the year of game sevens all around mm-hmm. sports. It really didn't matter where you looked, or I mean, it just championships in general with the Patriots and Falcons and the Golden State and Cleveland and then the Cubs and um, Indians last year with that phenomenal game seven. 
I mean, these are still the games you want to look for at the beginning of the bracket that really mean a lot to both teams. Um, I think when you look at the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, I see a couple teams that both have a lot of young talent. Um, overall, I, th- I think the Diamondbacks get the job done. I think they're able to get the win. Um, I, I think their late season out of J.D. Martinez and people like that, I think they're a team that's playing fired up right now and out of their mind. They've been able to win a lot of games in the season, um, and they really just seem like the team that's better. I think that they get the job done playing off pure more momentum. Um, the Twins and uh, Yankees, is a, it's an interesting one for me because, uh, you know, just going back over the years, the Yankees have shown that they can choke in the playoffs. You know, they don't, they don't get the job done. They've, they've played against a lot of different teams and lost in early series. They've always bought these teams that are supposed to just get them to the, you know, World Series and – get them there just by buying it and they just don't get it. This year they get a guy like Aaron Judge who's like the Bronx Bombers, you know, son. <laughs> that that's what that's what you envision when you say Bronx Bomber. Um I think that they truly are too much of the Twins. I think that the Twins are a team that are, are they're, they're the world beaters in the playoffs this year. They're the team that, you know, no one believes can win, but they will they'll go out there and get the job done <clears> against <throat> everybody's word. But I don't think it happens this time. The Yankees are too much playing at home. I think Aaron Judge does get Something late in that game to be able to get him the win. I think there's just a lot of young talent in that team. You know, Didi Gregorius and all the other players that they have in their uh, system. So I think they're able to get that job done. It sets up a Cleveland Yankees series. So moving on from there, we can look at the rest of the bracket for that first round. We'll, we'll give our predictions on these. Um, Boston and Houston. I think that that is my favorite series out of any for of them. Sure. To start it off, I think that it's I think it's super great. <clears throat> um, players like Mookie Betts um, for the for Boston are just highlights there. And then you look at Justin Verlander, who just got acquired by the Astros. Um, obviously, that's that's someone that, you know, George Springer, just different different players that play in the Astros that have really come out of nowhere over the past couple of seasons to now get them to be a team that people believe could contend. Of course, you watch the season, the first half of the season, the Astros were the team to beat, man. They were the team that just couldn't lose. I mean, I think, I think there was a point where they, I, I forget how many wins they have. They only had like 20 losses, like, you know, 80, like 60, 60 to 70 games in the season, something crazy like that. They're a really good team. Um, overall, and then you go over the other side of the bracket. Um, you look at the Cubs in Washington. I think I think it's a series of two teams that the Cubs are a team that kind of quietly pushed their way in the playoffs this year after all the talk early in the season about how, oh my gosh, what's wrong with the Cubs? Are we going to go back into a hundred years of never <laughs> being able to win anything again? To a team that all of a sudden you know starts to win more games and uh, get better. So and and they eventually were able to squeak their way into the playoffs. Uh, Washington was a team that's pretty consistent all year. Good. They still got players like Max Scherzer and stuff leading their rotation. Um, they're able to be good, and then obviously the two wild card series. The other two teams are not uh, winners of the wild card series. They'll play either LA or Cleveland. We'll start with Boston and Houston. Uh, what do you guys think is the key to that series? Uh, Elaine, I'll start with you. I think it's the pitching, and uh, I think that the Astros will come out on top just because I want them to. I think mainly Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. I'm going. I'm going with them all the way this year. For sure. For sure. So I'll go with them. Uh, what was the other one? It, uh, th- that's just the first one for oh, okay. Evan. Well, I mean, looking at looking at this game, you know, I think the Red Sox maybe do have a little bit of a pitching advantage over the Astros, and and I do think I do think pitching is going to be a huge thing in this one. I'd like to see JV uh, go out there and help lead the Astros to a series when I I really hope that happens. Just as mm-hmm. just as a, a guy who really supports Justin Verlander and you know supports the Tigers because that's where he came from, um, it's kind of what built him up, and mm-hmm. and that's kind of. The you know, Detroit built that. Yeah, exactly, there's, there's exactly. No and so I mean, I, so I, everyone can thank Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Houston, you can thank us <laughs> for um, sure. No, but you know, I think Verlander definitely helps them in this series. Adding them was was hu- adding him was huge. Um, but I don't know. I just think this Red Sox pitching is going to be a little bit too much to handle. For sure, I I, I could agree with that. Um, in the series, obviously not going to break down every player, but 
you know, Verlander is the guy that they got to be able to push him past some pitching, and you're you're alluding to how pitching will be the key in this series. Um, I think this is one that goes to like a game six or seven at the very least, and I think that Boston does unfortunately win the series because Justin Verlander is an athlete that's very close to my heart. He's a <laughs> he's a guy that you know made me love the game and 100 percent why I love baseball more than any other sport. He's one of the guys that really got me into it. So it's tough for me to say that, but I think Boston is just too much, man. That middle of their lineup, they have they have such a good team. Um, they they look like a team that could you know really go out and win all this year. If not, I think a team that does win that series could go on and play in the World Series. So I, I'm I'm going to take Boston uh, just based off their pitching and their young lineup in the middle. Uh, moving on to the other side, it's the Cubs and uh, Washington Nationals. Like I said, kind of an interesting series there. Evan, I'll go with you first this time. What do you think is the key to that series? Well, the one thing that I'm definitely looking for here in this one is Bryce Harper. He returned. <laughs> um, he's struggled since his return. Uh, from that knee injury, but I think you know having the days off before you have to play and kind of letting your mind, you know, set, sure. letting your body settle is a good thing. I mean, you remember, you got, you got to think about it this way. He came back, and at the time he came back, you know, minor leagues were pretty much done. Like there was there was nowhere for him to rehab. Mm-hmm. He kind of just got tossed back into it. And you know, I think you know these days off are are really going to give him time to just kind of relax and and settle down, and you know, I guess get his head back on straight and get ready to play some postseason baseball. I think just a lot of, I think a lot of the success for this team really just comes from from Bryce Harper. I think he's one of the guys that yeah he might be a hothead at sometimes, but at the same time he's he's your guy. Like he is your he is your your player, and he brings a lot of momentum and energy to this team. And if he can bring it, I think they're going to win the series. I think he's definitely one of those guys that are just good for baseball. Uh, Bryce Bryce Harper, no matter how you want to look at it, whether he's a hothead or not, or you know you you just don't like him. Period. He still brings attention to the game, which is really good. And I think him coming back for the playoffs, you see a lot of times where guys aren't even doing that good going in the playoffs, but then they're just that guy that comes out of nowhere. He's the guy that comes off an injury that could be really good coming in. Both these teams are kind of teams that have like the same team as they had last year, and they find themselves playing each other in this first round. The Cubs are a team that are still full of that same team that won the World Series. Obviously, Anthony Rizzo leading that bunch. Um, he's he's a big player in that series. But the, the late-season acquires of uh, Justin Wilson and Alex Avila were two big ones. They wanted to get that left-handed bat. Um, for the for the catching position, and then Justin Wilson to be able to get the uh, late season bullpen. It's really it's really been good for them uh, with the the hard throwing bullpen that the Cubs have coming in the end of the game. Um, as as my buddy uh, Cullen Cullen Logson used to say on this same exact podcast, "Go Cubs, go!" I think that they're gonna get the job mm-hmm. done. I think that they have too much, and they'll be able to compete at least for that next series. I'll I'll, I'll maybe make Cullen mad in the next podcast when I talk about that. But I think they're able to get past Washington and move on to this next series. Well, I mean, you just look at this this pitching staff. For the Cubs, John Lester, Jake Arrieta, John Lackey, it's ridiculous man, you know, Kyle Hendricks, Jose Quintana, like the it just it's outstanding. Like Quintana, it's outstanding. Hasn't, Quintana hasn't been as good towards the end of the year, and a lot of people think that the, the Cubs kind of got burned by the White Sox. Yeah, the same team giving them all that young talent for Quintana, but we'll see if he can turn it around and play now. But then, but then you switch it over and you, you look at the Nationals: Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Gio Gonzalez, Tanner Roark, Edwin Jackson. That's also pretty <laughs> Edwin darn Jackson, good. What a name! But but that but that that. that Pretty much kind of like the same pitching staff almost. I mean, you got a bunch of good names, and you got one guy at the bottom that's kind of yeah, falling shaky. off a little bit. But mm-hmm. this is going to be a really good pitching matchup too. I mean, we we talk about you know the Astros and the Red Sox being a great pitching matchup, but this is going to be a really good pitching matchup too. Bats are going to be tested. It'll be a fun one to watch, that's for sure. I think it's definitely one of those playoff series, a lot of competitiveness. Atlanta. I think I'm going to go with the Cubs too. I don't want them to win because I like. I mean, Mad Max over there, another. <laughs> oh, but, okay, um, for sure. I mean, I'd like to see the Nationals win, but I think that the Cubs might just be too much for them. Max Scherzer is like a, a touchy subject for me, just because like 
Tigers offered him a lot of money to yeah. stay in Detroit. Yeah. The six year, whatever, and then the Nationals offer him one more year and like a little bit more money, and he just has to take the most money. So he probably just wanted. Well, to I'm, yeah. well, well, I'm happy he didn't stay with Detroit though, because Detroit would be about screwed right now. <laughs> yeah, they'd be dead in the water. They would be sitting kind of worried. It'd, it'd, it'd be worse than they are now. They already kind of worried the contracts. Oh gosh, I mean, I was reading an article the other day, you know, with like what could come for them next season from Anthony Fenich. Um and it, it was just like saying that. You know, they're still paying Prince Fielder money. When I look at something like that, I'm like, this guy doesn't play baseball <laughs> that makes like two me years, sick. man. That makes it, me sick. The way that the Tigers spent money. But nevertheless, the Tigers aren't in the playoffs. We don't need to talk about them for a while. So <laughs> it, it doesn't Good. really matter. But that's where we're at right now. Um, just, a, just a quick analysis on these final two. Um, regardless of what wild guard team does end up playing in those bottom two series, um, L.A. against whatever wild guard team it is, who do you guys think comes out on top there? You're talking about the you're talking about the the ALDS with the other team. Yes. The other okay. So yes. so I gave you I gave you the Twins over the Yankees. So that would mean that you know the Twins are going on to play the, the Indians, Central and I'm and and I'm I'm taking the Indians, and uh, they're just kind of they're too hot right now. They're too hot to to slow down. And then Diamondbacks um, over the Rockies. I got so they'll be playing against the Dodgers, and I got to go Dodgers. Uh, I talked a little bit. Uh, about it in a podcast a couple weeks ago. I, I just like the Dodgers. I've been a Dodgers guy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what I got to go with there. For sure. Elena? I take the Dodgers in that uh, series, too, if they the Diamondbacks were to win. Uh, the other series, I took the Yankees. So if they play the Indians, the Indians are coming on top in that one. Here's my shocker of the playoffs. I'm, I'm gonna go with the Diamondbacks <laughs> over the over the LA. Really? That's the thing, though. You're gonna be right. That's the thing because <laughs> the top seed, they top seeds don't I'm, always win. You, they don't ever win. Yeah, and it's always yeah, that team. It's yep, always it's the always Dodgers. The, I know man. they make it to the maybe the next round, but that is the first they'll go. And you just watch. This guy's gonna, gonna be so gonna be right. right. I, I'm, I'm, He's <laughs> gonna be so right, and we're gonna be kicking our I, we're gonna be kicking our shoes. I could be very wrong because I mean, some you, you look at a team like the Diamondbacks or the Rockies. They're a team that I mean, the Rockies have been there recently, kind of, but. The Diamondbacks, especially the team that I believe is going to win and play in that series, they're not very playoff experienced. So, Dodgers are they're a team that has more. I just think that that is the that's the team that just has kind of built themselves this season. They're really going to push their way through the playoffs and kind of make it you know interesting to be able to be a World Series contender. I think I think they're going to be the team that does that okay. this year. They're definitely my that, pick. For you that. know, but that's what I like about the Diamondbacks though. They don't have the money that the Dodgers have, but they're yeah. just like. It's almost like you know the Dodgers are are Hollywood, right? But it feels mm-hmm. like Arizona is like just a baseball team. Like they're just a good old fashioned just baseball team. That's what I, I like, like about to, them. I'd like to see the but, Diamondbacks. But but yeah. but like I said, I I gotta go Dodgers. But I do like the fact that that Arizona is just a baseball team, they, and, and something about that is just special to me. I I really like that. I'll tell you what, their their GM is very smart too, and I know we keep bringing him up, and it's truly not just because he's a Detroit like player out of there. Getting JD Martinez, he's been the highlight of their Instagram page, of their Twitter page, because the dude just keeps going yard. I mean, he has a career eye in home runs now, and those fences are shorter in Arizona, and getting a guy like him to put in the middle of their lineup was the smartest thing that they've ever done. Like, I just remember listening to Dan Dickerson talk about it over the summer, and I'd be listening to the Tigers just saying, he is going to absolutely rake in that park. And what did he do? He went out and finished with yeah. an absolute, you know, career high in home runs. So, and most of them were hit with the Arizona Diamondbacks. So. It's Getting still, a guy like that that can literally change the swing or the, the game with the swing of a bat. I mean that to me it's oh, a lot for sure, to handle. For sure, I mean, it's, it's still it still blows my mind how the Tigers got him for so cheap. Oh my gosh, that still blows my mind, <laughs> that, dude. I mean we could go into this for a long, long time, and I could talk to you and get really mad about it. But seriously, like that's the one guy over the past three seasons that the Tigers just never got their worth out of. That's a guy that they acquired that is a team that he's the kind of player that could lead someone to a World Series, and I truly believe that after watching him play the way that he can. Swing the bat, and he lives off the ball. I mean, 
probably one of my favorite memories uh, as a Tigers fan didn't even come in the playoffs, and that's when he came back from the injury and hit a that, season ago yep, and hit that home run at yep. that center field off Chris Sale to give him a win when they were contending. I literally just remember Mario and Pemba just being like, what if he just hit one out right yep, here and the uh-huh. next pitch just gone to center field? That's the kind of guy. He feeds off that moment, and now he's finally got a chance to do that in the playoffs. But good for him, right? I mean, exactly. You gotta good for him. Oh, 100 percent. It's, it's not his fault that he's gone. It's not his fault, Tigers. Yeah. It's a business, man. I mean, you gotta you gotta go where you gotta go. He got traded. I don't really like the prospects the Tigers got back for him, but nevertheless, the guy's got a good deal. I think he likes where he's playing there. He did say something and know how he would like to retire in Detroit and something like that. That's not gonna happen for a long time. If he does, it'll be when he's at the end of his career and he comes back to retire there. Because he said it's truly like a family to him <laughs> that they were able to give him a chance when he was a nobody, and he absolutely ran with it. So I respect that though a lot. Yep. Nevertheless, mm. uh, that that that's all that'll go. Um, so we'll uh, we'll do we do we do the Twins in Cleveland? I forgot if we did that. No, yeah, we did. We, we talked. Did. Okay, we yeah, did. we talked. That's right. I, we got off talking about JD Martinez. I forgot that. But anyway, so we're done with our playoff segment. We're gonna move into our final one now. This one's just kind of off topic. Something we want to talk about over the next few minutes. Actually, Ladillon Ball, who used to be on this podcast, gave me the suggestion, the hot takes over the past few days because you know he'll keep up on the drama more than anybody else would um, with that family. The most recent, or not most recent, uh, the first news of the week was kind of that LaMelo Ball will be surpassing his final two years of high school and will be getting taught by his dad <laughs> in homeschool, LeVar Ball. And obviously, you know, that'll lead to a lot more basketball training. He uh, apparently won't have uh, his high school teammates over for practice anymore because, you know, he's not upset with the high school coach and doesn't want to play with them. And then the most recent news coming out today um, was about, or not today, it was actually yesterday, but then he missed a practice today for the Lakers, was Lonzo Ball. He was wearing Nike shoes, and he <laughs> apparently sprang his ankle and isn't able to now participate in a practice, and he wasn't wearing his big baller brand shoes uh, that cost, you know, multiple hundreds of dollars, as we were talking about before this podcast, Evan, um, that we could, we could never afford. Nevertheless, there's a lot of drama going on with this family right now. We'll start off with the whole high school thing. What's your guys' take on that, Elena? I'll start with you. <laughs> okay. A lot of people get homeschooled, but they're doing it for so the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that LeVar is just going to turn him even more crazy. Because <laughs> I think I think Melo, I think he's crazy already. Yeah. Like, he's kind of like his dad, he kind of seems. But I don't know. I think it's a horrible idea. <laughs> and I guess we'll see how it goes. That's I mean, my take on that. Like you said, I think what you said first was perfect. Um, He... It, when, when kids go to get homeschooled, it's usually for different reasons, like personal reasons. He's definitely doing this just to get trained from a basketball yeah. standpoint by his dad. Like, how much is he going to learn from LeVar? I don't know, that's, man. I, yeah. I, I He's not going to get a real degree, that's for sure. But I, it's, I think it's more or less just him coming to play more basketball, and that's for all the wrong reasons. I mean, I did watch the kid play in high school, and, and I don't know. I don't know who Lamelo is. I, I don't know him personally, and I don't know if he is a kid that's kind of awkward. I don't know if he you know, has his problems in school with, like, talking to people or whatever, I can't say that 100%, and I'm not going to say that I do know, but what I'm inferring and guessing is is that it's more or less for basketball, and I think that LeVar just wants to make more noise in the mo- the news and just kind of get his kid playing for whatever he can. Um, Evan, what do you think here? So I just kind of did a little bit of you know background research, and e- ESPN's a, a pretty legit legit website. <laughs> Overall, and, yes, it's an established uh, themselves. And they said, wearing wearing Nike Kobe AD shoes instead of the big baller brand ZO2 Prime Remix that he oh um, wore in his preseason opener. Ball got off to a good start before his injury. Like ESPN's literally talking about his shoes. the shoe thing. <laughs> like I just can't even do it anymore. It's too it's it's too much for me. I I I can't I can't. It's just it, it's unreal. And and now, you know now Lamelo's going to be homeschooled and. 
I mean, the kid committed to UCLA at age 13. Just think about that. What were you doing when you were 13, Andy? What were you doing when you were 13? Uh, Eating ice cream? More than likely riding my bike to like some fast food restaurant with my friends. To, right? Like, to chill. And this guy, or, and this, like, but this, I don't know, but this dude, like but this guy it's committed like to a college. Allowance. He committed yeah. to a college at age 13. <laughs> and you're telling me that like it was his decision or whatever? Yeah, Absolutely right. not. His dad's 100% <laughs> making his decisions. How do you think UCLA, look UCLA, at it. UCLA feels about this? Like, I have. I don't know. I just like I don't know. I, they took it though. I mean, they're, they're the team that's accepting this and True. going through with all that. Uh, going on the shoes, like you said, uh, with Lonzo obviously having this issue where he's not at practice. Nevertheless, the guy did. I'm assuming. I, you think that it could be a conspiracy? I think, is what I'm getting. I at? think Lavar's that crazy. He would tell his son to twist his ankle in Nike shoes, <laughs> just to <laughs> just make to them, prove that- just to prove that Big Baller brand is where it's at. Now it's is- been a part of the plan for weeks. It's oh, been a part of the plan oh, for weeks. It. Is this just because you think he wants to make more money off the shoes, or is this simply just to get more attention? Oh, I think it's both. I think that, well, I think that he, oh my gosh, he feeds off the attention, and he'll say any crazy thing off the wall. He'll do anything mm-hmm. to get attention. But I think, I mean, it could he could try to reel some people in that have no clue, and they think they're like, praising Lavar, right? Like, oh yeah, Nike, <laughs> Nike stinks. I'm gonna go. Buy some big baller brand, even mm-hmm. though they're five hundred dollars, whatever they are. Yeah, well, we were just talking before the podcast to <laughs> Dylan, who used to be on on the show. Um, he was saying that if you get the Zio, what is Zio twos? I, I don't like even, the, like I the, don't care enough to know the name. But we talking about the the sign ones. Yeah, yes, the sign yeah, ones. a thousand. They're a thousand dollars for the sign. They're the sign Zio two deluxes. Man, I, anybody at our age right now who's probably broken in college or is working whatever job trying to make their way in life isn't going to buy shoes that cost that much money, man. Like, I just want you to know that in the first place. Or if they are, they're just absolutely all over your kid and, like, obsess over them. So that's weird. It's weird. I, yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's almost it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like your obsession with D-Wade on steroids. <laughs> on steroids. I, it's not obsession with me. It's true love. True love. Okay, okay. Love. But I don't know. I just think that I think it's ridiculous. LeVar Ball saying... You know, you know your old teammates now aren't going to be training at training in my house anymore. Like they're not going to be playing. Oh you know, at my house. You know, I don't like the the new coach at Chino Hills. I don't like him. So, you know, he said the he said something. The, the coach said something about you know the fifty shots a game for for Lamelo is going to have to stop. Mm-hmm. What about when What about when UCLA says that? Yeah, exactly. What like, about when UCLA says you can't take fifty shots in a game, Lamelo? What about when he's on the Lakers? You know, if he gets there in that many years, because today he said all three of yeah. his kids will play for the Los Angeles Lakers. What if Lonzo needs the ball then? What if uh, Lamelo needs the ball more then? That fifty shots for each of them. Yeah, I don't think that that's gonna. I think it's possible. I I like, mean, these guys are gonna get their chances, but. I mean, you get to a college level, you got Sharon Lonzo didn't have a problem with that. Lonzo wasn't like an absolute ball hog, I don't think. I think that, you know, he definitely got his teammates the ball and was fine in college. Personally, I think that uh, Lonzo Ball isn't a bad person or like, you know, anything like that. I think it's just his dad that attracts all this attention around him. Well, what I what I want to know is, you know, where where was where was LeVar when Lonzo was kinda kinda growing up? Where where was he all at as far as, you know, trying to be a, a huge influence? I mean, yeah, we've seen mm-hmm. it the past what, year, year yeah, and a half or something like that. But I mean, where was he when when Lonzo was was in his, you know, sophomore junior year at Chino Hills? Where you know I, that's kind of what I want to know yeah. is how much of a of an effect did he did his dad play in that? And that's something that really does interest me. But let me just toss a scenario at both of you guys. All right, okay. all right, Lamelo Ball, um, you know, playing for UCLA, tears his ACL, never recovers, never comes back, and he's got a big baller brand education. 
What, what's that going to do for him? Oh my god! I, well, what's, what's, what is it? What is he going to end up with? I absolutely his brother's love. money. I mean, yes, he, yes, right. he's at he's at he's at UCLA, of course, and that that's a college, and that's great, and yes, he'll be going to school. But okay, let's okay, screw, screw that because he finished school if he got injured. I hope, but. <laughs> Let's just say he's in the league, right? He's in the league, gets injured, never comes back. He's done after a few years. He's he's one of the biggest busts, um, you know, ever. Ever, right? Yeah. Let's just say he's one of the biggest busts. It'd ever. be the same thing for Lonzo right now if he were to go down and actually bust his ankle and never be able mm-hmm. to play again. Same. But thing. I mean, yeah. but I mean, you have a big baller brand, high school education, and one year of a UCLA education. What do you do? What do you do with your life? Where do you go next? I mean, yes, your dad has a lot of money, but I mean, what do you do with your? What do you do? Just hang I mean, out at home. That that you're. You're not looking out for your kid, period. That's what I'm I saying. I don't care what you say. Like you're taking your kid out of high school to, and what everybody knows is that he's gonna just be playing basketball. Essentially, he's not gonna actually get a good high school education, be able to make it anywhere in college. And what you just said that you know, if he's at UCLA and he busts his ankle, he's done. Oh, he's go- he's in college. I hope that he passes. Yeah, I hope he's, he's not stays. passing college courses if he's if he's got a big baller brand <laughs> education. In my yeah. opinion, I I know it's and and if he's not playing. For the college anymore. That's the thing. I mean, you know, you know those guys. I mean, they get their tutoring, they get their help, but mm-hmm. he's not playing anymore. No, they, that's they, might, they might pull that. The other thing you got to look at too. Say he doesn't bust his ankle. Say he plays at UCLA and he stays there for. I mean, okay, the kid's probably guaranteed to be the one and done if he actually is that good his first year. But say he stays for two years, okay, at UCLA. How's he gonna pass his classes in the first exactly. place How to be able to stay eligible, eligible to play basketball? I don't know. <laughs> I, that's a good question. You're gonna have to pay somebody. That's what I'm trying to say. Like this is the kind of stuff where like, and people are gonna be all over it. Like and the NCAA, that yeah, exactly. That's what wrong. I'm saying. They're cracking down on everything now. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna figure be all it over out. It. They're gonna find it out, and they're gonna, you know, not let that go by. Or at least you would think not. I mean, some things go down in sports as we've seen before, where stuff does slip by, and you find out about it years later, and then other stuff happens. But nevertheless, it's definitely a situation that uh, I don't, I don't think that's really good either way. I think, I think the. What we said about with the spring ankle and the conspiracy, I think that is actually a legitimate possibility. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you, Elaine. I, I think that it definitely is a chance that he could have honestly been put up to that and done it on purpose just to say that Nike shoes suck and that they should be able to buy um, Big Baller brand, which won't, I don't think it'll ever happen. But nevertheless, um, we should probably move on to the final topic of our, or of our show here, our stud and dud that we wrap it up with every single week. Um, I will start with the studs, and Elena, I will start with you. Who's your first stud? Uh, Todd Gurley is mine. Uh, he's just having a great year, and he had another great game against Dallas, 215 total yards. So, my stud. For sure. And Evan? Uh, my stud is the Troy football troll game. Not even really Troy football, actually, just Troy in general, um, because their college account, it wasn't like their their football <laughs> account or, or their athletics account. It was their like actual <laughs> college account tweeted, Hey at LSU, thanks for having us down for homecoming. We really enjoyed it, and that's when Troy beat LSU twenty-four to twenty-one. LSU paid Troy nine hundred eighty-five thousand dollars to come play in that game. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and that's and, and unbelievable, they, and, man. And they lost. They lost to Troy, and the troll that's game was just, unreal. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I, at that point, I'd be I'd be all over it too. I mean. What else can you really say? Well, that's just bad. Bad by LSU. Bad looking the, the the college itself. The fact that you said it wasn't off of just an athletic account, I think that that's pretty crazy. Um, my stud for the for the week is the Minnesota Twins. Um, I'm going back to baseball, even though I didn't pick them to win that wild card game. The way that they were this season, I think, is the the definition of where baseball's kind of been trending right now, where a young team gets good really quick. They're a team that believed in each other all season, and in the middle of the season when things kind of got rough and they started to fall off a little bit, and no matter how much everybody wanted to tell them that they could not win at the beginning of the season, they're a team that wouldn't be able to hang on when they started so hot. They're a team that finds themselves in the wild card spot against against a Cleveland team that won what? How many games was it? 22 in a row? 
in their own division. So the division was kind of out of their own control at that point. They did what they could against a tough AL uh, side of the division and made the playoffs. So very impressive to me. They're my stud. Uh, Evan, what's your dud? Uh, my dud is the plumbing at Kyle Field. That's <laughs> Texas A&M's field. Um, they had a huge renovation um, just a little bit ago. It cost over $400 million. And the only way to oh use the bathroom was to leave the stadium and go across the street and go to the bathroom. Jeez. And then there was there was without water. There was bathrooms were all were all shot done. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. I mean, anyone that goes to a sports game, you know, you got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. You know, you gotta you, go. You gotta go. Drink drink pop. You know, toss a few beers back. Whatever you do, you got to You got to go to the bathroom <laughs> you go at some to the point. Bathroom, nevertheless, <laughs> no, at some point. Sure. So that's just that's rough. That's What's going rough. on in college athletics? With all this facility problems that's, right that's now. What I'm saying, I, I don't know, man. Schools got to get their stuff up to date. Like, that's all I got to say about it, Elena. Um, my dad is Butch Jones and the whole Tennessee team for losing forty-one to nothing to Georgia. <laughs> Terrible. That's just it's terrible. You, 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 oh, it's sad. Georgia's looking like a team all of a sudden that you know can win some games. I thought they might have just been an average team that beat a not as good as we thought Notre Dame team, but all of a sudden Notre Dame looks like a team that isn't that bad, and Georgia's looking like a team that actually could be legitimate top ten. So Georgia, they're doing the job. Um, my my dad is Antonio Jones Davis. Uh, a little bit of action here for you, baby. Um, co- coming out, they were playing against uh, San Diego State, who was ranked this year. They're somehow in the middling rankings. They're kind of one of those weird teams that gets ranked out of nowhere. Brady Hoke used to coach there. That's kind of the only reason I ever know about them. But there was a, a tackle and kind of a big pileup, and all of a sudden uh, Jones Davis decided to poke a player in the eyes, like through the helmet, <laughs> um, down at the end of the pile. And, I mean, you hear about that kind of stuff all the time, about how, oh, like, you know, under the trenches in football, which you don't really know about. That was one of those moments right there. Just like I, I was watching it. I'm like, man, what is wrong with you? Like the play's co- completely over. The guy's got the ball. He's down on the ground. What are you doing? Why are you poking <laughs> someone in the eyes? That that could damage them for like life, man. I, that, that's pretty messed up to me. I heard Evan used to do that in basketball. <laughs> oh, you heard that story, didn't you? Yeah. Uh-oh. What's that? Evan used to poke people in the eyes when he played basketball. No. He used to, he used to poke no, people in the no, eyes no, when he played no. basketball? That's, that, <laughs> where where that, did okay, this come from? Okay, you, you Explain really, yourself. I got to explain here, all right? Um... <laughs> Okay, Tra- okay, so first I'm just going to say that I was grounded. Uh, my parents grounded <laughs> me for a long time. Uh, so pretty much what happened was... We're embarrassing this kid in the Yeah, you are, right you are. It was, it was JV basketball in high school. And all right, you know what? I got I to gotta put the story out. Okay, so you know, guys would go up for threes and stuff. And I saw this video on Kobe. And what Kobe would do is he'd put his hand in guys' faces. And then, and then make it tough for them to, to see the basket, adjust, all that kind of stuff. And I kind of thought it'd be cool like to do that. And I did that for a little bit and whatever. Like It worked a little bit, but not really. <laughs> I kind of like took it a step further. Like I kind of just like <laughs> took my hand and just kind of like went up in his face. Um, and sometimes I like, got a little bit of eye. <laughs> and I'm I'm totally not that kind of guy. Like if anybody knows me, I'm the most like He's a good chilled, kid. relaxed guy. <laughs> but like that was just like the competitiveness <laughs> taking over me, like like over me like big time. And my dad came to an away game. Uh, he came to all the games, but uh, away games, sometimes he couldn't make them out too. My mom would come, but but whatever. Uh, came to an away game and, and saw me doing it. <laughs> And I did not hear the end of it. Like I like that night. I think I was up till, I think I was up till one a.m., two a.m. Um, just just getting talked to about like how stupid I was being and how dumb that was. So, so 
So no, I feel where you're coming from because at the same time, I'm your dud too now. Now I'm your, now I'm your dud. Now I'm your dud. We're giving a dud to someone on the podcast. Here, I'll take folks. it. I first deserve one, it. First I'll one ever it. in the I three years it. it's been running. So oh Evan Petzl, dud. <laughs> For sure. I guess I guess maybe I'd get you and Jones Davis to like hang out sometime. You guys can become friends. <laughs> if that's how it's got to work. Poke but. each other in the eye or something like that. Poking eyes, LaMelo and Lonzo Ball, and a lot of other topics this week. It was a good podcast. We'll talk at you guys next time here on Unsportsmanlike Conduct. Thank you for listening, and follow us on CM Life and at CM Life Sports on Twitter for more updates on our teams around here. We'll talk at you next time.